I'm a product of a church that couldn't afford a youth pastor. Welcome to episode 19 of the Lead Forward podcast. I'm your host, Dave Funk. The Lead Forward podcast is all about encouraging, strengthening, and helping you lead forward. I'm really excited to welcome Andy Gabrick back to the podcast. I interviewed Andy in September, and we just ran out of time as we talked about understanding and reaching millennials. You can listen to that conversation in episode 12. We immediately booked a second interview after we talked because we wanted to speak practically about how local churches can launch youth ministries in order to reach young people effectively in their community. With 85% of churches being under 200 people, you may find yourself in a context where hiring a full-time or even a part-time youth pastor just isn't going to happen with your current budget. I wanted to ask Andy what churches in that sort of context could do, and he gives some amazing practical advice that you can start on today. Additionally, he introduces a project he's working on through NextGenBC to provide apprenticeships in rural churches that will help launch life-giving ministries through your church. So I know you're going to enjoy this interview with Andy Gabrick. Hey, we're welcoming Andy Gabrick back to the podcast. Andy, how's it going? I'm well, Dave, and thank you listeners for listening to this. I really appreciate you being able to take some time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. Awesome. Well, we all love Andy Gabrick, and if we don't already, hopefully by the end of this episode, we will. Uh, if, if you've been listening to the podcast uh, for any amount of time, you may remember that Andy was with us back in September for episode 12, and we talked in that episode about understanding and, rele- uh, and reaching millennials, and we actually we had more stuff we wanted to talk about, we just ran out of time, so immediately afterwards, we said, we're going to book another interview Uh, to keep going on this idea of youth ministry, its value, and some of the resources that Andy uh, and uh, our district ministries are putting together to help churches with with youth ministry. So Andy, why don't you just tell us, first of all, what have you been up to uh, since we talked in September? Yeah, that's a great question. So basically, we start really taking off for the following year. Youth ministry tends to be September to May of every year. So it's not a calendar year as much as as an annual year of those times. So uh, during those times, we do a lot of leadership training, developments for pastors. Uh, We get ready for our big events such as HistoryMaker, HistoryMaker.ca, if you want to check details out there. And then um, we have also tried to raise funds for the Rural Apprenticeship Program that I would love to mention about at the end of this podcast. But in any context, those are the three big things that we we're working on in the fall, so it would be event management, leadership development, and initiative of new mis- ministries to help uh, local churches plant youth ministries in their context. Right on. Yeah, we definitely want to get to that part uh, as we get to our discussion, but maybe we'll back back up a little bit. And yeah, I, I don't want to lose. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that there's lead pastors and associate pastors and lay leaders listening to this. This isn't just for youth pastors because there's going to be some applicable things for all kinds of different areas of ministry. Um, but, you know, just starting with the question of why, why is youth ministry so important? Why does our district invest heavily in uh, a director over our youth ministries? Um, why should churches invest in youth pastors or youth leaders? Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's that's a great question, Dave. So I, I break it down to four things. If you listen to my other podcasts, I use a 80, 60, 70 principle. So 80 pre- people 
or sorry, 80% of people come to Christ before the age of 18, 60% of people who are in vocational ministry hear the call of God in their teen or young adult years, and 70% will actually have a retention rate in their spirituality if they're discipled well in their foundational right. years. So with that said, um, when we talk about youth ministry, we're talking more about revitalization and multiplication as well. Okay. If you look at different uh, context and themes and trends with local churches, churches that lean into next-gen ministries, whether children and youth, see a revitalization process. So okay. if I can pick on a manual church, um, that would be a revitalization process. Yeah. If I could pick on um, other small churches that I grew up in was Creston, BC. They took a step of faith. They planted a youth ministry there, and it grew up to quite a sizable group yeah. that actually assisted and revitalized the local church. Right. Now, wh- why is that? Well, young people invite their families, they invite their friends, they don't have the traditions or the hang-ups or the burdens that yeah. sometimes other people would have, and they're more re- uh, pliable to the gospel. So right. revitalization is really important. And in a business term, they call this growth engines. Okay. You want to invest in a growth engine. Mm. And so depending on your time, your resources and your talent in your local church, where are you putting your resources is where where your heart is. But at the same time, you want to be strategic of getting the most uh, productivity or uh, fruitfulness out of that. And so youth ministry tends to be one of those growth engines around revitalization Mm -hmm. and multiplication. Um, And again, with the, with the 80, 60, 70 principle, like it's very strategic to reach out to your community so there's programs that continually to come out how important it is to reach the next generation because they will be the next generation in your context of your community, but also in your local church. Right. So right. it builds longevity. And the last one is it's a family-based context. Mm. So how are we using all generations to reach out to the next generation? We see that in the Old Testament, also with the New Testament. We see that with Jesus. Yeah. But this is these are the four reasons why youth ministry is so important for lead pastors or for a board or for a church starting out, simply because it's around multiplication of revitalization strategy, uh, a family-based organization, and longevity in the community. Right. So there's case studies around it, but this is why we exist yeah, yeah. and why we want to resource churches to do this well. Right. Yeah. I, I love those thoughts. I mean, you, you think of getting, getting young people saved and in, into your church and getting involved. And I mean, they're going to then meet each other and get married and have babies. And, and then those families grow and that, that builds that long term, that next generation of leadership and, and health and vitality in your church. And I do remember uh, early on when I started at my church at Bethel and, and um, we were just kind of in a revitalization process. And, and uh, we had this uh, Sunday where we were able to, you know, we had like a pizza lunch and different stuff to, to attract mm-hmm. some of our kids from the youth group. Cause our, our youth group, especially then was very much community kids. Like their, their parents weren't in church. Like, um, and we were able to get, you know, a, a row of them in church on Sunday and just the reaction of our congregation and mm-hmm. how excited they were about that and how they responded to them. And I remember saying to Joe, my associate and youth pastor, I was like, man, like if we could get a couple rows of youth in church on Sunday, like our congregation would be up for anything, you know, <laughs> like whatever we do to make that happen, they'd be ready for the next step. And it would open a lot of doors and create some credibility to make some other strategic changes that will help the church grow. 
Yeah, yeah. There tends to be like a, maybe a pessimistic of reaching out to culture simply right. because we live in a post-Christian nation, or we live in a secular nation, or maybe a humanistic relationship, or you know, nation. So if I can put you know, flesh that out really quick, post-Christian means we the next generation doesn't know Jesus. Yeah, they don't know what the cross is, or perhaps what Christmas is, or Easter. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a negative thing. I actually think that's a very positive thing, because they don't have the same hangups right. or the religiosity of what what we faced or what I have faced growing up. So, so there's an awesome opportunity for evangelism. Mm-hmm. Secularism means like we live in a world that necessarily might not need God. Yeah. We think that um, there's a pessimism say, well, we don't need God. We, we need more money or we need better project or, you know, technology or governments and stuff like that. But anyone who, you know, has, if I could say this in this podcast, half a brain yeah. would know that that it's not going to be technology or money or globalization of economics that's going to save our world. Mm-hmm. Like it really is Christ. And so even though people don't need God, there's deep brokenness mm-hmm. and we build through, as you build relationship with the next generation or invest in the next generation, you will see those needs and reach those gaps. Like we talked about in the last podcast. Awesome. And then, and then humanism means like, Hey God, I am God. Right. And, of Man course, there's is the measure of all things. Yeah, and and there's there's definitely gaps as well. But as the church serves the community well, like mm-hmm. that's what that's what um, makes people experience the Holy Spirit in a practical way. Yeah, and and, and allows conversation and doors to open yeah. around faith and, and spirituality. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's very few people listening that wouldn't be convinced at how important it is to have youth ministry. Now, the question is, how do you do it? You know, we're probably we're probably talking to a lot of people that might be under-resourced. Um, they can't afford a full-time youth pastor or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've got no youth ministry going or maybe no youth in the church right now. So uh, how do they get started? How do you start from scratch? What do you do if you just don't have the money for it? Yeah. So let me encourage the listeners that's listening to this is that I'm a product of a church that couldn't afford a youth pastor. Right on. So I came, I just want to encourage you that um, it's so important and the fruit that you'll see is far more larger than perhaps your lack of resourcing or context. And so I'm just going to go share my own story. Sure. Yeah. Um, so basically, churches that are listening or listeners that are listening, the first thing that I would encourage you to do is simply pray. Like, God, mm-hmm. give us the faith to find a way to reach the next generation in our church and in our community or in our school or or context. And in for in these churches or in these contexts tend to be the, the highest level of untapped potential for youth ministry, too. So we see these realities and we want to help those reality. So for me, um, the church uh, in Creston, BC took a leap of faith. Uh, They decided to hire a youth pastor um, part-time, and he worked for my dad for the rest of the time. So he's bivocational. Um, He had free room and board, um, and uh, he stayed with that church for about five years. Now, because of my context, I was with this youth pastor, not only at the church, but also seeing him work with me, um, as a punk little 14 year old kid. Um, and, and because of it, uh, there was some great revitalization stories Mm. that came out of that. So you saw many people come to faith. 
Uh, you saw young people get discipled. You saw them given opportunities to lead in their high school or in their youth ministry or their Sunday morning. And the same thing too, Dave, like having, you know, two or three rows of people taking the first three or two yeah. rows because they don't have any special spots in the congregation yeah. or, I mean, in the into the, the sanctuary or uh, auditorium, you have all these young people there. It tends to change the culture of your local church totally. because young people tendly, definitely bring a flavor to a context. Um, and so some of the questions that I would encourage uh, pastors who are wanting to plant youth ministries is the first one is, who is in our services that can potentially start something? Right. Is it is it a young couple? Is it some parents? Is it uh, is it a forum that we can build to say, hey, what is God saying to us? Um, do, do we have the resources to find a youth pastor or can we raise someone within our context to be a youth pastor or a youth mm-hmm. leader? Mm-hmm. Um, some, some context that we have is, is there in smaller communities, how can we do a citywide youth ministry? Can we right. partner with other churches? Um, can we, do we need to have a ministerial meeting about reaching the next generation that has worked mm. to some degree to start something out? Um, if you do have parents or even grandparents that have teenagers or students, why don't you do a forum with them and ask them, Hey, how can we reach your grandkids? How can we reach your student or your, your kids and how mm. can they get involved? Because as soon as I, I find in my context, in this role, as soon as we give people opportunity to hear, to listen to them, they tend to have a better buy-in um, right. of trying yeah. to reach out to the next generation in this context. So if you don't have a, a youth ministry, it's totally fine. But do you have a, a group of people that be willing to build a forum or a committee or a team that would start youth ministry um, and, and go from there? In other words, a leadership team. Right, right. Yeah, I've even heard of churches who will see if there's like a, a young life leader in the town or another out Christian outreach where they can just begin to partner with them and give them space to use and, you know, those sorts of things to, you know, not even have to recreate things on their own, but partner with somebody else to help bridge that gap, right? Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity, all those things. One of the dangers that we do see is um, some churches, payoff churches saying, well, we have a Baptist church, for example, that has, is taking a step of faith, and we're going to send our students there. We, we, right. I think that's a great opportunity to start, but you want to make sure you're a community or a citywide youth ministry, sharing buildings, sharing resources, sharing relationships, yeah. because the strategy, again, is to revitalize your church, yeah. to multiply your church, to, to see the next generation of church rise within your community, mm-hmm. um, not shrink. Mm-hmm. And so there is, there is, might be a temptation for some listeners to say, well, I don't have any parents. I don't, I might have grandparents, but they don't want to come to our Sunday services. We don't have young people. So we send them to a different church and that's happened, which is totally fine. But you you'll begin to realize that you'll miss those generation gaps that are yeah. so important when it comes to faith in maybe a spirit filled local church. Right. So so that I find that that that's the temptation, but there is options to at least kickstart right. and and to jumpstart a youth ministry right. in a community. So where do you go from there? Let's say you could get four or five people on kind of a core team that starts to talk about youth ministry. Maybe they can give a little bit of time every week to to running some programming and doing some outreach. What would be the next step for that group? Yeah. So I. I 
I find in in rural communities, you start with a relationship, you build, you start to understand the needs through those relationships, and you build vision around those implementation. Where in larger churches, you start with vision, right. relationship, and need, and so there's there tends to be a little bit of uh, strategy difference between larger and and smaller churches. And what I mean by that is more rural churches, so churches under 100, maybe around 50 or 60, and churches above that, you have to have a different strategy. So in smaller churches, for example, you want to start with relationships. So start a forum group or start a leadership team. And then from those relationships, you build a program based on need. Mm. So if the need is we don't have to do anything fun for our students, so once a month, for example, we're going to do an outreach at – Billy's house. Now you want to look at the resources in your local church. So again, I grew up in a smaller church. My wife grew up in a very, very small church and all the fun activities that they did were usually on farms or, (laughs) you know, someone had a skating rink in the back of their property or they had something around the corner. They'd go for a hike, but what type of resources, this is great to ask, Mm -hmm. but what type of resources does your community of faith have to use to fuel uh, fun and activities for the next generation. Right, right. And, and you might be listening to this saying, well, why is fun so important? Well, five, fun is important for five different reasons. So f- fun's important because it connects you with a student. It builds memories. Kids need to have fun. It just simply is that. Mm-hmm. Fun needs to be seen as clean mm-hmm. and safe. Right. You can build that. And the last one is the most important, of course, is fun is more than just activity or relationship or the latest app. It's really around purpose. Hmm. And so when you allow students to have fun in your backyard, yeah, you might not necessarily like it because they're going to tear it all up, but you're creating opportunity for students to find purpose and clean and safe place to have fun. So I I would always start with with that is an outreach for students to have fun maybe once a month. And then that becomes a really good funnel to either do a discipleship process throughout the other three weeks of the month. Mm -hmm. So consistency is big. Mm -hmm. So whether you do an event once a month for 12 months or you're doing something every week, there has to be consistency with the team. Right. So it really goes around what each church can resource, but basically churches do have resources more than just money or people. They have property or they have snowmobiles or they have quads or yeah. If I could say this, guns, like yeah. <laughs> shoot stuff, like in any context, who can help you around that? And those yeah. things become really good. So so that's where I would kind of start on the relationship, yeah. build a fun event thing, and then build vision out of the, those things. With yeah. larger churches, of course, who miss necessarily do, don't have a youth pastor, you want to start with vision and basically say the things that we've already talked about is like, we want to revitalize our church. Mm-hmm. Um, look for good case studies like Bethel or like Emmanuel or, you know, there's different, even with the church I grew up in, in Creston. Mm-hmm. So these churches tend to become case studies and they become great opportunities to build uh, uh, vision around yeah. and then you want to meet the need. Yeah. Um, and, you know, leadership principles would say most people will give around vision and mission versus operation. Right. So it's really important to continue to do those things around that. Yeah. Um, and you know, like a lot of a lot of people in in your church, if, as a listener, they might not realize that some of the resources they have or the property they have or whatever 
could be utilized for th- that sort of thing. And, you know, you might be, you might be shy or whatever to ask, but, you know, more often than not, people would, people would be thrilled at an opportunity to allow young people to come to their property or, you know, you know, play with whatever they've got, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they, they might not be great at going to the high school and, you know, evangelizing young people, but if they can make space right. in their life, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they'd be excited about that. And to speak to that, progression of you know monthly event moving into more of a weekly activity or service or something like that that's exactly what joe bot uh my youth pastor did with our middle school like we didn't have a middle school ministry uh, on sunday for like a year there was like two middle schoolers who went to the middle school class and it was getting like, almost embarrassing like should we even do yeah. this and so he really he had a vision for it and he just started to do a, a monthly fun activity go out in the community the church sometimes just paid for it if the kids couldn't. Um, and then that built some relational connections and now they do a weekly event where there's sometimes 15 or more middle schoolers. Half of them aren't from our church because they got connected with the monthly activity. And now this has built some momentum, right? So it definitely is a pro a a progression that is fruitful and we've seen it firsthand. Right. So so you might be a listener saying, well, what do I do week to week? Like mm-hmm. once a month activity at a friend's house, you know, whether it's tobogganing or, you know, some outdoor event or a big bonfire, whatever that looks like for you, then that works great. But what do you do week to week? Yeah. Well, this is where it gets a little tricky because you need to have a leadership team um, and parents, grandparents can be part of it or some young people and you rotate people to take, a, take each week. So let's say Billy has week one, Joey has week two, Cynthia has week three, and the bots have week four. Whatever that looks like, those things really help out with the planning and strategic side. But the other thing that I would encourage is look for great resources. So the Youth Alpha Film Series, that's a great funnel after an outreach event that someone does for fun. I always call it outreach events because if we focus too much on fun, then that's all they're going to want and it's not going to get deep. It's just a social club. So you want to go a little deeper than that and say, well, hey, next week we're going to discuss, you know, what what is life all about? What's this conversation? And not only that is, you know, grandma so-and-so is going to cook pizza for us you know so that's another resource instead of going buying tim hortons another resource is not just property it's Mm -hmm. it's our grandparents that can cook great food they have all these years of experience where two or three are gathered there's food also (laughs) so that's that's a ministry principle for youth ministry so a youth alpha around a meal goes a long way and that's a resource another resource is our ministry itself next gen ministries uh there's uh, nextgenbc.ca there's tons of resources on the page mm-hmm. and some of them are free some of them are not we do mentorship programs and we give free online resourcing around games curriculum mm-hmm. leadership development messages so it helps people who are working full-time to right. resource them not to be overwhelmed by trying to do this because most people will say yes but practically they can't because it's a no but how do we resource them well so so I find that those three things are really important. A once a month fun event, outreach event, yeah. a weekly strategy around discipleship, perhaps uh, you know, a youth alpha and a meal mm-hmm. being resourced, and then somehow some way being resourced um outside of your context, whether it's next gen ministries or whether it's uh, a podcast whatever their p- 
doing, uh, it's really important to do that so that they feel equipped and confident yeah. uh, to do what God's calling them to do to reach reach young people. And as, as it grows, um, hopefully the vision grows yeah. and your church sees it and, and puts money towards it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where it gives an opportunity to to see it move to the next level. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes people underutilize the resources that are at their disposal, and I think maybe this is a good opportunity to remind people. Like, if you're if you're the BC Yukon District of the PAOC, Andy Gabrick is there to support you, you know, and, and people he's working with and, and the clusters that are developed, and um, take full advantage of those things. And even, you know, if you're a lead pastor in a small church and you don't have a youth pastor, you can still get in touch with Andy and... Um, you know, if, if you're not in the PAOC, you can still go to nextgenbc.ca and pillage some of the resources there. That's, uh, those are all things that you can access and, and will make your job easier, especially if you are bivocational or you're just a volunteer working 40, 50 hours a week at McDonald's or <laughs> whatever you're doing and doing youth ministry on the side. Yeah. And, and to speak into that, you might, if you're listening to this, you're already busy and strapped, but yeah. this is more than just planting youth ministries and talking about youth ministries, this is about really like those four things we talked about before is revitalization, multiplication, yeah. all these good things. Um, but I just want to encourage you that there is a lot of resources out there that are informational mm. that might not necessarily be strategic for you. Right. And so this is why the relational po- podcasts or resourcing or contextualization is probably the best word to use because youth ministry is going to be different for a Langley to Gibson to different contexts around our province or around our nation. So what I want to just encourage too is um, you're not alone. Like we do this together and we've developed a rule apprenticeship program. We're doing a pilot project right now, but we want to release it in the fall of 2018 so that we can help churches around three areas that are intentional and strategic. The first one is to help mentor your next-gen worker. Mm -hmm. So whether he's or she is homegrown through your context or we send someone to you, we partner with you together to help you get to the next level. So if you've built a forum and you've built a team and you do things on a monthly or weekly basis, we'll come alongside you and send people your way that will become like a missionary or rule apprenticeship worker to help you do that. That's the first thing. The okay. second thing is to help local churches assess their strategy. Because if it's around revitalization and multiplication, then it's going to be really important for us to ask ourselves, are we really trying to get there? We don't want to just do this mm-hmm. because we think this is going to be the outcome. There has to be a strategy in place. And so we do evaluations, assessments, hmm. um, and they all come to the local church to say, well, here's here's some of the green lights we have for your local church. Here's some of the yellow lights that right. you have to work on and some of the, the red lights that we need to continue to work on before we send a worker your way. Right. And the last thing that which I'm probably the most exciting about excited about Dave is uh, we actually want to partner resource and money to local churches. So our hope or our design is to have uh, an NGM legacy fund. So businesses and people can put in this fund. It becomes a youth ministry plant fund and interest of that fund goes to plant youth workers in these rural communities that don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. So even though you're working on all these things, I just want to let you know you're not alone because 
of the relationship, but you're not alone because we're developing a program to help you, local church, to have a, a continual, full-functioning youth ministry in three years. So in year one, we'll give up to 25% of a salary. Mm-hmm. Year two, we'll give 10%. And year five, or year three, sorry, is is 5%. Hoping by year three, progression-wise, right. that church will be at a place where they could take care of that person. Right, right. So the rest of the funds that are being developed or brought in is through uh, a youth missionary fund. Right. So the the youth pastor itself is is raising funds, and the church puts in some funding as well. Right. So it's a three year a three tier project, uh, resourced fully over a three year uh, process. Wow. So. So we're really excited to launch it. Um, it's by faith. We've already invested $13,500 in these projects that we've around our province. But we are looking for funding. If, if there's a businessman listening to this yeah. and you want to help us raise the next generation, your funds will go to a legacy fund. It, your funds will be protected. And all of the interest from that will go towards planting youth ministries in faith launching fall 2018. Wow. So let me let me just kind of try to summarize and, and get this straight. So kind of the three-pronged approach uh, is that you want to create partnership with that would, you know, mentor, resource, kind of communicate with, with you. And, and then that could even be sending in someone to the ground to be an intern, be a youth ministry worker. Secondly, you want to do uh, evaluation so that you can kind of see how things are going and help you know, clean things up. And thirdly, um, you're going to create funding that is going to help over a three-year span to get things going so the church can be self-sustaining. Is that, is that what I'm hearing right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And so when we launch, like there will be a website, and basically you apply, and then we go through the process with you. Okay. Okay. So they're not going to be able to access um, more information about this before fall, or is there is there somewhere we can go – or in, and see some of this stuff now. Yeah, so after this video, feel free to email us at info, so info at nextgenbc.ca. Okay. And we will send you more details. Just memo it or reply it in the context to rule apprenticeship program. Okay. And we'll add you to an email list that we will continue to update oh, awesome. um, in regards to what this is going to look like. Okay. Um, and so for all my POEC family, this will also be discussed more at length at conference in right, March. Right, right. So that's where we're going to talk a little bit more about it and then build uh, a monthly newsletter around it. Wow, that's really exciting because, you know, you you hear about some of the challenges in it, it, uh, of, of rural churches and smaller churches that are even, you know, the access um, geographically to um, our, our, you know, resources that are maybe more in the lower mainland, but this is something that I think is going right. to close that gap significantly. Now, do you see, um, a lot of interest from our Bible college students, our young leaders in participating in this? Where, where, where is that come? Cause you know, one of the things that, um, I'm wondering about, like, I've got a couple of retired pastors in my congregation and they tell me about their history of, of ministry. Right. It was like, we graduated Bible college. We went up north to a church of 20 people. We were the lead pastor there for three years. And then, you you know, you kind of move on and eventually you might find yourself in sunnier shores or whatever, right? But they kind of, you know, quote unquote, did their time in challenging areas right off the bat, you know, making three cents an hour or whatever it was. Um, yeah. So have things changed 
or you know, do you see a desire for this kind of thing from our young leaders? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I can only speak into today because I I I, w- I wasn't in a context where I could graduate Bible college and go up north making three cents an hour type thing. <laughs> right. Um, so, if I can be really honest, what comes back to us is is the cost of school is quite high. Yeah. And the level of income for local churches is low. Right. Which it, which is fine. Um, so it helps we have to coach and train our younger leaders perhaps a little bit better around money management or working right. on the side. And even though I'm full-time, I've been full-time all my ministry career, right. I've always worked on the side. I've okay. always done construction work. Uh, in Richmond, I would uh, you know, take care of rich people's homes in West Kelowna. Right. And uh, now I, I actually do personal training because uh, I love doing it, but mm. personal training at a local gym. And right. so – so why do I do those things? Well, it's more than just uh, you know a little pay here and there. It's it's to be within my community. Yeah. It's to be with people who are far from God. So I've always tried to coach and train leaders to do it that way. So number one is is one of the hurdles we have to to jump is the whole cost yeah. slash making money. Um, and and I think that's based up to the worker. The second thing local churches can do is do what my dad did. My dad's yeah. a businessman and he offered work for a local youth pastor. Mm-hmm. So he could, he didn't have the funds to give, but he had the funds to f- help um, this youth pastor have enough money to, to, do, to do that. Right. Um, and so we have churches that I help, help coach. Oh, we can't hire right. someone. But we say, I say, well, is there a businessman in your local church that could have given him a job and he works on the side? Um, is yeah, there can give a flexible hour so they can go to youth camp and whatever, and it's not a big issue. And yeah, absolutely. Or, um, can there be free room and board? And mm-hmm. so that's the church side they have. To, so yeah. it's more of a partnership. Yeah. And then the last one is probably the biggest one. The biggest hurdle is, is more vision. And yeah. so we need to share the vision of these smaller churches that there is great potential there. Number one, mm-hmm. that the relationships and the growth opportunities for them in their calling and in the yeah. ministry context is really high. Yeah. Um, and that they, as, as those workers need to be more intentional. So the, the, to, that's the long answer to your question. So the question it's is yes answer. and no. Yeah. It's, it's yes and no. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's tougher because people say education costs are higher, lower income in local churches. Yeah. And I'm just too alone in these rural places right. where the opposite is also true is if you are smart with your finances and you work hard, um, and if there's partnership in local churches with businesses or billeting options for yeah. accommodations um, and also uh, good training, then those things happen really naturally. So it does take special people, but I do have young pastors willing to go to these rural areas. Awesome. And uh, we continue to work hard on how to make that transition smoother for local churches as well as these younger leaders. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I actually really appreciate that answer and that perspective. And hopefully there's lots of people listening to that. And, and you're right. Cause it's, it's kind of that partnership the the, the young leader needs to, 
have the willingness to work hard and kind of go through that, but the churches need to be able to create the right environment and opportunity to make that an option as well. And I love the partnership with businesses and stuff in the church too, just to get everyone involved. Is there anything else, Andy, that, that you want to encourage uh, our listeners with or other, other steps and, and things to think about when they consider uh, planting youth ministry and, and strengthening their churches through next generation ministry? Yeah. You know, the last thing would just be more of a spiritual side. Like, I would just encourage listeners to step out in faith. Like the Holy Spirit, I pray, will speak through this podcast to you and give you the courage to walk out what God's doing. Like there's one thing about knowledge. Knowledge is knowing what to do, but wisdom is knowing what to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I pray not only the courage to do what God's calling you to do, but the wisdom of what that looks like. And so this podcast is really not just a fill you with a bunch of information and why you should do it and how to do it. But it's really to inspire you to say like when you step out in faith and you're going to take, uh, you know, a journey towards reaching the next generation to revitalize and multiply your church. That's a great decision because it's a growth engine of your church. Um, and if it is done well, it has the benefits far away what you think you will do in just a short amount of time because I'm just one of many of a product of a small church giving everything, not everything, giving a lot to their next gen side. Um, and the last thing is, is just to continue to remember, like you're not alone. Uh, we're here with you and we want to, we want to work with you. So when we send assessments, for example, or people to you or resourcing, it's not, it's not strings attached. It's just, Hey, how can we come alongside you as a local church to help you succeed? And, and, and multiply and revitalize to be the hope of the world in your community. That's amazing. And yeah, I'm really thankful for the work you've been doing. Uh, I think, I think it's brilliant. It's awesome. It's really taking things to the next step to be able to reach people and uh, that haven't been reached and to help churches mm-hmm. that need some resources. And so, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to hear about how uh, this apprenticeship program goes and, um, and, uh, if there's any way that I can support it, I want to be a part of it too. So really, really cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Yeah. And, and the best thing that you can do, if you want to talk to me, you have questions or suggestions or even funding models for us, feel right. free to contact me anytime. Yeah. Info at nextgenbc.ca. Awesome. Well, I'm praying for thanks, a, Dave. A, a listener with the gift of giving to get, to get on <laughs> board today. Uh, so thanks, Andy, for your time and for your wisdom and for your hard work. Uh, appreciate you, you being on the podcast again. Thanks, Dave, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Lead Forward podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, you can find more leadership resources at leadforward.ca. I hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.